Here we are on lesson number three of the inward truth. And of course, it, this could be considered lesson number four since Brother Scott taught last week. I'm giving you a moment. And if you have your Bibles, we'll begin with this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is Bible study and I have a lot of scripture. So we will construct together the biblical view of this third lesson of inward truth. Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, or give me some time here, Paul says. Just bear with me, I've got something to say. Then he said in verse 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. I've espoused you to one husband. I'm trying to bring you as a chaste virgin to Christ, he said. And then verse 3, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve. Lucifer beguiled Eve. That word beguiled means deceived. Through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or... If you receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel. So watch this. So another Jesus, another spirit. Not, not a capital spirit, but an attitude. Another disposition. Or another gospel, another plan of salvation, verse 4. Which you have not already accepted. Sometimes Paul would say, you allow that to happen. He'll go on to refute that it shouldn't. Let me read it in, in the NIV from, from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a, a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel, you put up with it very easily. So just think about that deception. I just want to talk to you a little bit about that beguiling of Lucifer uh, to Adam and Eve. There's an old adage that says, if you tell the truth, you won't have to remember what you said. This is an interesting thought. Um, because I remember hearing that uh, as a child and then as a young teenager. If you didn't tell the truth, you really had to create a narrative and you had to remember what it was. It didn't always work out well for me because my mother always pointed back to the things that I said and then I was exposed. So let's take that premise of that statement. Let's apply it to the Lord. He was not trying. Jesus never tried to tell the truth. He was the truth. He embodied what was true. In regards to our lives, if being honest and truthful is to exist, it has to have some foundation. So it must come from the inward heart. Honesty. This is inward truth. Honesty is not a put on. I'm going to say this again, but let me just say it the first time. Being honest is not an event. You walk honest. Here's 1 Peter 2.12. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. This is the way you live honest among the Gentiles. Let me just give you three aspects of honesty. Honesty is a core trait not a momentary response. 
If you want to write this down, this is a good thing to write down. Honesty is a core trait. It is not a momentary response. Now, this happens in the lives of many people, especially people who are shallow Christians. Because they think that they know how they ought to respond instead of living a particular way from which the response automatically comes. Number two, honesty comes from a good intention, not a perceived or provoked desired response. Let me break that down for you. If I think I should answer the way you want me to answer, that is not an honest response. That's not living honest. So from my intention, it would be my intention to do good to you. Not, uh, not doing something right just because you think I should. And number three, honesty is the character trait of a Christian. Christianity. Honesty is a character trait. So there are character traits in your family. There are character traits everyone has. Christianity should uh, produce an honest people. Now, I hope that you can get this because I have to move very quickly now. One of the things that we found through these many years of ministry is that there is, there is a plethora of people who pretend to be followers of Jesus Christ, but they are only such when they are in front of someone else or in certain settings. Uh, Christianity does not begin in the church house. Being a Pentecostal is not in worship style. That is a lifestyle. Now think of the reputation of any person, whether right or wrong, whatever reputation they have. We usually tend to believe or disbelieve some report about that person based upon their past character. This means that we assume something is true or a lie based upon what we think that level, that, that person's integrity is. Of course, we have to be careful not to generalize because people can change and some people can do something right. You never thought they'd ever do something right. They ended up doing it right. You're, I can't believe it. They, they told the truth. And some people can do things wrong and you thought they would never do something wrong. You know, the mother who says, oh, my child never lies. Just wait a little bit. They're preparing. Probably they've already lied. Uh, but for the most part, we understand that we, ba we can base a lot of what we know about someone based upon their character. So go, let's go back to this established thought. Living, here's the established thought. Are you ready? Living with a clear conscience before God stands on the foundation of inward truth and honesty. Put your head down on the pillow. Tell me if you have a clear conscience. And if you don't, go back to being honest before God and clean whatever, whatever it is that, that keeps you or thwarts your ability to have a clear conscience. Let me just tell you tonight, honesty has an enemy. It, it probably has several enemies. But I will consider one of those enemies and we'll see it very well tonight. Of course, I am a child of the 80s. The 80s were the best years, of course, in American history. Some of you don't know that. The best music and everything. And, of course, Billy Joel was very popular when I was a teenager. And he wrote, honesty is such a lonely word. Could we sing that tonight? Let's sing it Sunday. 
It has an enemy. Honesty has an enemy. Probably many. But I will point out tonight in this inward truth because I've got to have truth inside. Just as I have often said, and Brother Shock taught me this uh, way back in the early 90s. Preaching is not a performance. It's a way of life. This is just an overspill of how I'm living. I go back to that statement. If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember what you said. So this all should be an overspill of how we're living when we're not here. We don't don't want to put on our church face or our religious garment. And when we do that, we, we embody the disposition of the Pharisee who was only publicly righteous, but privately carnal. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about deception. And I'll give you seven levels or areas of deception. And I probably won't exhaust them all, but let's just give seven areas of deception. It's the enemy of, of honesty. Here's our first level. It's human deception or being deceived by other people. Human deception. Ephesians 5 and 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. People can't deceive you. Watch the two sons of Isaac. Now I won't go through this whole pattern, but each of them have the example of a dysfunctional home. Abraham and Sarah was promised by God to have a baby. Sarah was tired, on wait, tired waiting on God. So she presented Abraham, her maidservant, Haggai. And she had a baby and they named him Ishmael. And then later... God did give Sarah a son. His name was Isaac. So Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. And Abraham and and Haggai had had Ishmael. Actually, I think think it was Hagar. Isn't it Hagar? So Hagar. And so you've got a jealousy there. This is very dysfunctional because now they're going to be favorite. They're going to have favoritism. It's going to be shown to, to Isaac. Isaac grows up. He, he's a mama's boy. After mama dies, he spends most of his time in mama's tent. Go read this in your Bible. He gets married. He has a wife. It looks like he is not really joined with his wife very well. They have twins, Esau. And Jacob, that's another dysfunctional home. He likes Esau better than his second son, Jacob. His wife, Rebecca, takes Jacob. Jacob deceives everyone with the help of his mother. He leaves, then he's deceived by his father-in-law. And he is appealing to his, his wife... And this is what he says in Genesis 31 and 6. And ye know that with all my power I have served your father. This is family dispute. You don't really want to get an argument with, with your spouse about the in-laws. But if you do, this has been happening a long time. 
There's been in-law trouble a long time. Do not think you're the first to have in-law trouble. And you don't all have to say amen. Now, for the most part, you can talk about your own family. Do not talk about your in-laws. Let your spouse talk about their family. This is just good, sound wisdom. I don't know if there's any amens out there. I'm sure people are yelling at their, at their computer screens. And then he says, and your father has deceived me. Well, coming from the man whose name meant subplanter, how, look at the irony of it. Jacob's a deceiver. Your father deceived me and changed my wages 10 times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. So deception also, it, it, it can come many times from other people. People can deceive you, promise you something, give or take it back. Here's Paul's admonition to the church at Corinth. He said, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him be, become a fool that he may be wise. So deception can, can come in multiple different forms. Here's the second one, religious deception. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. This is very hard for the modern church. We like to be connected to people. We don't understand the difference between avoiding and forgiveness. You can forgive someone and avoid them. You're not without forgiveness if you avoid someone who is contrary to the doctrine. For they are such that serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, that means their own desire, and by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. The people who like to have dominance in religious settings usually look for people who are a little weaker or bashful or shy or don't have a backbone. And they will deceive them. Mm -hmm. So there is a religious deception that can go on. 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ, Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall whack wor worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. In the last days, there will be a lot of spiritual religious deception. It is the arch enemy of honesty. Think of that. Honesty and deception. So from the outside, other people can deceive you and there can be religious charlatans that can deceive you. You have to stay in the word and know what the Bible says. Otherwise, you can believe a lie. Always measure the word that I preach or anyone teaches. Always measure it by the scripture. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? What are we, who are we talking about? The Bereans. Let me put it this way. The Bereans were more noble than those in Thessalonica. In that, the Bible says, they received the word with all readiness of mind. We're going to get, that out, get to that on Sunday. And then they searched the scriptures to see whether those things were so. They went home to see whether or not the apostles were teaching the truth. You always measure everyone who has a dream, a vision, a sermon, a lesson, some prophetic thing by the word. Always. And then you measure the spirit of the person. Because there are, in the last days, we're going to see this happen more and more. And I, I'm not going to go through all the scriptures. But there will be false Christ and false prophets and false teachers arise. And they'll, they'll, be very, they'll be very charismatic. They'll have charisma. And you'll be drawn to the person. 
And you'll think that's a good person. They're a salesman. They're a hireling. So you got to be very careful. Here's number three, the third deception. Titus chapter three, verse three. If you look into this chapter, into this verse, you'll discover something. Here's what the apostle wrote. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish. This is a confession. Of course, not everybody today who goes to church really confesses everything. But in the Bible, the apostles did confess. We were foolish. We were disobedient. We were deceived. Serving, this is the description of the deception. Serving different kinds of lust and pleasures. He is referring to sexual sins. Living in malice and envy. Hateful, hating one another. Well, that's pretty strong. Who would like to join Titus chapter 3 verse 3 and saying, yes, that was me. I was hateful. I was disobedient. I was foolish. And I had sexual perversion. No hands. That's right. Because he wanted to get to a point to expose something. There is a deception in sexual sin. And now I read from the book of Proverbs from the NIV, Proverbs chapter 7. Are you ready? Let's read this. If you have your Bibles, this is a good place to read. My son, keep my words. And store up my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and you'll live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Verse 4. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And call understanding your kinsmen. Make them part of your family. Wisdom and understanding should be a part of your family. They will keep you from the adulteress. From the wayward wife. With her seductive words. Verse 6. At the window of my house I looked out to the lattice. I saw among the simple. I noticed among the young men a youth. A young man. He lacked judgment. He's going down the street near her corner. Obviously he should never have been on that corner. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time. He's walking along in the direction of her house. At twilight. Think of that. The worst time. The day is fading. As the dark of night set in, then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute. Well, goodness, even in the Bible days, they knew the difference between how a woman dressed. Mm -hmm. And with crafty intent, she knows what she's doing. I can get on the men here, but just for a moment, it pretty much appears women know what they're doing. Dangerous. Uh Uh-huh. Verse 11. She is loud. Now, we're not talking about volume. Defiant. Mm -hmm. She's, we could even say, she is demanding. She goes against the norm. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street and now at the squares, at every corner she lurks. Let me just tell you about the young man. He's not the first one to get trapped and deceived. She's been there before. 
She took hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face, bold. I have fellowship offerings at my home. That means food. Today I fulfilled my vows. I came out to meet you. I was looking for you. I looked for you and I found you. I.e., you're special to me. Can't take my eyes off of you. And of course, we'll see him as the bird that he is. He's just a small bird caught in a snare. He believes her. He's deceived. He is deceived. Then she says, I covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. This is exactly what's happening today. I don't even know the website, but someone was telling me about the website where it is exclusively set up to have just um, momentary relationships. You don't even really have to know the other person's name. It's just momentary relationships. Let me just tell you, this kind of deception did not begin with the internet. This has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. My husband is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money. That means he's got a lot of provisions. He's not going to come home for a while. Verse 21, with persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose. Watch this. Till an arrow pierces his liver. There's a couple places that you don't want to get hit if you're in a boxing match. You don't want to get hit in the temple, but your head can withstand. But if you get hit in the liver, you're done. A good boxer that hits another box in the liver, you'll go right down. It doesn't matter how strong you are. Your liver cannot take it. But this is like, this is like a snare. This is like an arrow that pierces the liver. He don't even know he's bleeding out like a bird darting into a snare. Little knowing, little knowing this is going to cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Everyone listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she's brought down. Her slain are mighty, a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. Deception. Sexual sins are a deception. I'm standing in a world deceived because Hollywood is built on deception. Hollywood and all media now is built on deception. There are people who, who post pictures of themselves and they can Photoshop their picture. I don't know why, but they Photoshop their picture. You don't even have to go on a diet. Just download a certain app. It can, it can chop off 20 pounds of ugly fat. You never have to wash your face again. Just download the app and it can make your face look beautiful. It's a deception. It is a deception, ladies and gentlemen. And sexual sins are prevalent and the new drug in America is sex. Not methamphetamines, not cocaine, not marijuana. Sexual sins. Let's move on. Number four, I know that many of you wanted me to move on. I felt it very uncomfortable. All the dear, sweet, elderly mothers in the house. They've been travailing for me the last five minutes. 
Number four is consumption. This is a deception. I'll give it to you. Proverbs 20 and verse 1. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. It's not the only deception. All consumption. Hear thou, my son, and be wise and guide thine heart in the way. Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. That means people who consume everything. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Woe unto them that rise up early in the morning, Isaiah said, that they may follow strong drink and that continue all night till wine inflame them. Let me just tell you, all kinds of, cons- of, of consumption, it distorts the view of who you are. Let me just take it a step further because wine is intoxicating. Alcohol is intoxicating. Bible speaks against it, the intoxication of it. But there's other things that cause intoxication, the consumption of things because you have bought something. It makes you feel good. You are deceived when you think that an item brings value to your life. Anything you buy does not bring value to your life. That that purchase doesn't make you a better person. The house, the clothes, the car, that doesn't make you a better person. We are deceived by consumption and our advertising world wants to make you think you are better when you have their product. You're not better. You're deceived by consumption. Mm. How are we doing? Amen. Number five, demonic A demonic deception. We'll just call it demonic. There is a spirit world, ladies and gentlemen. It's a very powerful thing. Be very careful before you mess around or think it's something to toy with. Revelation 20 and 10. I'll give you the last and we'll go to the first. This is just the synopsis. The devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. The devil deceived them. At the end of all the time, the devil, the beast, the false prophet, they're there. And there shall be torment day and night forever and ever. That is the lake of fire. The devil deceived. Where did that begin? Well, go to Genesis chapter 3. I'll read from the NIV verse 13. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. Things are going pretty well. Adam's a little lonely. And, and God takes a rib from his side. Yeah. God takes a rib from his side. And he creates the woman. I don't know what that rib did for him before. Uh, but I think it was, it was the part that helped him uh, stand up to other people. But now he couldn't because she deceived him. <laughs> so watch this. So they have, they have access to all the fruit of the garden. They have everything except because God wants to create them a free moral agent. There's a tree that they cannot eat from. But the devil comes as a serpent, a speaking snake. And the devil speaks to the woman. If you need this sermon, you probably do. It's about order. And I don't even remember the title. But I preached about this in years past. That 
The Bible says that Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. Adam knew exactly what was going on, but he did not speak up. And so Adam takes the fruit to appease his wife. Eve takes the fruit because she's deceived by the devil. He's been deceiving people longer than any of us have been alive. The devil deceives. There is a spirit of deception. There is a spirit of deception in this world today. And it will beguile you. He did it in the garden. And then, this is what the Lord said to the woman. What is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And she was telling the truth then. Because she was standing before God. The devil deceived her with an enticing word. He only changed one word in the order of the Lord. Surely ye shall not die. So, there is a demonic deception in the world. Now, we don't always see this here. Because America has, is trapped in other things besides the demonic oppression. There is demonic deception and oppression here. But I would say that it's not as well known or well seen or prevalent as in other countries. Because we are entangled with, with consumption. We're entangled with material things. If you go to many other countries that are very poor, they don't have air conditioner and they don't have all the stuff that we have. Um, they are deceived by other things. There's a lot of open demonic spirits in India and in China and in Africa. There are many, many open demonic spirits there. Um, but in America, it's more cloaked, of course. We, we are, by and large, America is blessed, but also that blessing has been our curse too. We don't know what sacrifice is. We, don't, we really don't know what it takes to live for God outside of our conveniences. We're, we're feeling it right now. I will tell you, we're feeling it right now. I even think, and, and as I've spoken to many, many pastors, there is a percentage of people, I don't believe it's very big, but there's a percentage of people who won't go back to church now. They will not go back ever again. They will leave God and leave, and leave the Bible. They don't pray. They don't look at the, they're not looking at the church. They're not watching it. They're not doing any of that. Now, we have a lot of people that have not come back yet, but they're very engaged. You're here tonight. You're watching this. But around the country, there are people, a small percentage maybe even, that won't go back at all because they needed a constant fix they got from Sunday. They needed, they needed the communication. They needed the music. They needed the singing. They needed all of that ceremony to keep them connected. But when the ceremony was broken, so too was their relationship because it was very shallow. And the demonic world knows what it's doing in this day right now. And God has allowed this because everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And there are many things being shaken today. The resolve of many people are being shaken. And there is a demonic force at work in this world. I don't want to get off on this because I want to reserve it for another time. But I want to remind you of what I taught in, in this Bible studies. They're online. No one was here. It was in March. And it was in April. And I told you many things that we're now looking at right now. Not because I have the perception, but it was very clear. It was very clear when I talked to you about how a one world government and a one world currency and a cashless society would emerge. You're, you're, you're not going to bring money into a, into a Walmart today because they're not going to give you change for fear the virus could be transmitted on one of those coins. This is the, 
this is the commencement, the beginning of removing our currency. The devil is at work and he will be at work. That's why we got to get in the church as strong as we can. We cannot afford to be deceived by this world. Don't let anyone else deceive you. Don't let Hollywood deceive you. Don't let religious charlatans deceive you. And by sure, do not let the devil deceive you. There's a lot of this. And this has been going on and now it's culminating. I, I... you know, I feel like I want to talk about the end time, but I'm not going to do it tonight. I'm reserving that for another time. Number six, personal deception. Now, I really meant to, to quote um, 1 Corinthians 3.18 on this particular number six. So I'll do it again. 1 Corinthians 3.18, let no man deceive himself. <laughs> Don't deceive yourself. Perhaps the worst kind of deception is self-deception. I don't think anyone can deceive you like you can deceive you. Here's Jeremiah 37, 7. Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel. Thus shall ye say to the king of Judah. This is, a, this is in real time, a battle. He sent you unto me to inquire of me. Behold, Pharaoh's army, which is come forth to help you, shall return to Egypt and to their own land. I'm just kind of pulling this out. And the Chaldeans shall come again and fight against the city and take it and burn it with fire. Thus saith the Lord, don't deceive yourselves. Don't think that they'll just leave and we'll be okay. This was a warning from God. Um, In World War II, we would call this normalcy bias. And as I spoke here many times There was over 100,000 Polish people who could have gotten out of Poland, but they thought that everything would just go back to normal. They said, oh, this is not going to be a world war. We're not going to be hurt. We're not going to be wounded. That's normalcy bias. When you're in chaos, but you have an idea, this is not going to last, and I don't need to duck for cover. Here comes a storm. Here comes a tornado. No, that'll just go away. Surely it's not going to come and hurt me. And this is what was happening. And that's why God said, they're coming. They're going to take the city. They're going to burn it with fire. Don't deceive yourselves. I would just say to all of you, don't deceive yourselves into thinking you've got a lot of time. Don't deceive yourselves into thinking that you're okay. 1 John 1, 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Don't walk around and think you're inherently good and inherently righteous. And that you don't need the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Don't trust your own heart. Always lean on God. Always crucify the flesh. Always submit yourself to the Lord. Don't think you've got this Christian or this religious thing or being an apostolic Pentecostal thing in the bag. Always strive for honesty in your own heart. 1 John 1, 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not the truth. So if you think you're walking with God, but you're walking in darkness, you have deceived yourself. I wonder how many people go to church every Sunday and they're living in self-deception. Because they're not doing the truth. They're not walking in the light. They're walking in darkness, but they just say, I'm a believer. 
Self-deception. To deceive yourself into thinking that you are something. Even, even the Bible says, don't think yourself something when you're nothing. Have you ever met someone who thought that they were more than they were? I don't even know these terms. I'm just going to throw out a word. I don't even know if you understand this definition. But Ali has, Alexandra has taught me something. And she said of a person, she said, oh, dad, they're so extra. I don't know what that means, extra. It has a certain connotation. It, I've, I had to pry this out of her. What is extra? What, is, what does that mean? That, I guess it means flamboyant or stuck up or flashy. Now we've just reduced it to extra. There's words that they're using now. This is not even in the English language. I've read the thesaurus and the Webster's Dictionary, and they don't say anything about extra like that. It's not, there's no definition like Have you ever met someone? When you, when you talk to them, there's an air about them. They think that they are something. They think they've got it together. But you know they don't. In the South, they say that you're putting on the dog. Don't, I know you're just putting on the dog. I remember walking around someplace, I don't know, a bunch of people were there. and Somebody said, I know where you came from. Kind of, yes, that's right. Wait, wait, where, where, where was it? Where was it? This is a, 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 fa- a, a fault line of the human experience. Because what it does is it invokes great pride in people. It's the man who beholds himself in a mirror and he leaves, he forgetteth what kind of person he was. They forget and then they, we think we're something bigger or better than we are. You see, self-deception will keep you far from humility. Self-deception will keep you far from obedience. Remember our first lesson, obedience, and the second one, rebellion? If you deceive yourself, it's very hard for anyone to pull you out of it because you've taught yourself to believe something that's not true about you. Here's number seven, and we'll end on this one, but I'm not saying it's over. Just saying this is my last one. This is different than all the rest of them. It's a difficult one. This should make us have a little shudder, a little trepidation, trepidation in our steps, some hesitation, the fear of God. I would submit to you that you have been taught and you are being taught the three main subjects of the Bible. The first subject is that there is one God. The Jews believe in a monotheistic God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And God said numerous times, is there a God beside me? I know not any. A just God and a Savior, he said. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. The first and the last, which was, which is, which is to come, the Almighty. I am. Jesus said he was the I am. 
The same voice that spoke to Moses in the wilderness in a burning bush. When Moses came up and said, who are you? And the voice said, the omnipotent God said, I am. Who, who should I say sent me? Tell them the I am that I am sent you. Jesus said he was the I am. When, when Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it will satisfy us. Jesus said, have I not been so long time with you, Philip, and you don't know me? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father is the Spirit. It's the Creator. It's the Spirit. But all the fullness of the Godhead dwelled in in Jesus bodily. When you get to heaven, you're only going to see one God. There's only one throne. You're going to see one God. You're going to see Jesus because Jesus is the Father. Uh Uh-oh. His name is the Almighty. Go back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Are you ready? Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Who are we talking about? And the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful. Who are we talking about? His name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. Let me just tell you. Let me, let me tell you what you're being taught here. You're being taught the gospel. Many of you have heard this, but I've got to repeat it over and over and over again. The gospel is not just the good news. The gospel has meat and teeth. What is the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, Paul said, I want to remind you of the gospel. How that Jesus died, he rose again, he died, he was buried, he rose again the third day. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You've got to obey the gospel. How do I obey the gospel? I repent of my sins. That was the first article that you walked into in the tabernacle. It was the altar of sacrifice. That's what Acts chapter 3 says. Bring therefore fruits worthy of repentance. No one goes to heaven unless they repent. Jesus said, except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Who can go to heaven without repenting? Repenting is an about face. This is what Peter said, just as Noah was saved by water, even baptism saves us. That's why we baptize people in water. We're buried in, Jesus was baptized, we're just doing what Peter said on the day of Pentecost. Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus. In fact, Jesus, the great commission, he said, go into all the world and teach and baptize everyone. Why would I withhold baptism? Why would I not baptize people? Why would I not do it in Jesus' name? Colossians said, whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God and the Father by him. I do it in Jesus' name. I'm putting you down in Jesus' name. Baptism comes from the word baptizo, which is a Greek word meaning to be buried, immersed, submerged, not sprinkling. This is just Bible. This is what I'm teaching you. This is what's being taught here. And finally, to live a wholly separate life from the world. The Bible says, come out from among them. Don't touch the unclean thing. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Treat it with respect. Okay. The Bible says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Uh-oh. Well... I guess that means that I can be in this world, like the old adage, but I cannot be of this world. I'm not of this world. This world's not my home. I don't follow the ordinance of this world. I'm not all upset by what's going on in this world because I've got another home. I'm not trying to stay down here. I'm trying to get up there. 
Who's with me in this house? Who's with me now? Having said all of that, and there's so much more, this last deception is not from the outside, it's not from the inside, it's not from money or consumptions or sexual sins or, or what people can do to you. It's when you know what's right and you purposely deny it and you run from it. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracle signs and wonders. Can you imagine there can be counterfeit miracle signs and wonders? Verse 10. And in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing, they perish because why? They refused to love the truth and so be saved. They had the truth, but they rejected this. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe a lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. I'll read it from the King James. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Because when it comes from God, a lie or the truth feels the same. Pray God never sends you a strong delusion because you'll end up believing a lie just as strong as I believe the truth. Why? Why would you be deceived in that day? Because you had all the things I just talked about in your hand, but you said, I don't need that. I don't need that. That's not true. And you argued against everything. And you argued against all the Bible. You argued against all the scripture. You kind of tried to pull all the Bible apart. You erased, you tore pages out of the scripture. And when you reject the truth, the Bible says that because they did not love the truth, love the truth, ladies and gentlemen, embrace it, eat the word. The most dreadful thing is that you are deceived by a curse from God. And the curse of God is something that I hope no one goes through. But there will be people who will go through it because they didn't love what was given to them. Deception. There's an enemy of honesty. It's a terrible enemy of honesty. And it's to be deceived. To be deceived. I pray tonight that not only are we right with God... And right with other people. But in our own hearts, we would be right with ourselves and honest with ourselves. I don't want to fall into deception. And for certain, I don't want to have to know all that I know in the book and then turn away from the book. And Paul said, I constrain myself lest I become a castaway. After preaching and teaching all of this, we could become a castaway. You know what? I hope there's a little fear of God when we walk out of this house. We ought to walk in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I want, I want to have truth inside of me. Inward truth. Not to impress anybody, but so that when I put my head down on that pillow, I know. 
Lord, if you come back tonight, I know that I am right with you. I want to be right in my heart and right in my speech. When you see me out, I hope that you see me like I am here. I hope you, are you hearing pastor tonight? I hope you are living for the Lord no matter where you are. What happens if, what happens if the, if the whole world go back, goes back into quarantine? Don't lose your faith. Keep your joy. What happens if, what happens if there's a world war or something? What happens if the United States becomes a banana republic and we just, we default on everything? We don't know what's going to happen, but we've got to keep our faith. We've got to keep our love for God. Don't lose the truth. Don't lose the word. Here's what grieves me. After all that I've been taught all of my life and after every sermon and lesson that I have taught, God forbid that I would become a castaway. After all you know, and you know, you know more than you probably even think you know. You've heard more word than you could possibly even consume or recall. There's a million, a billion people who've never heard even one-tenth of what you've heard even tonight. Love it. Embrace it. I'll tell you what I would do. I would get back online and I'd go back over all those Bible lessons and I'd turn off the television and the radio and put down all the, all the computers and stop surfing a little bit and I'd get back into the Word. I'd listen to another sermon. Last week I was listening to old sermons of, of Wilkerson preaching in Times Square. Man, the power of God that he had. And I was listening to those old sermons and he was preaching them in the 70s and the 80s around the time he wrote the, the cross and the switchblade. And I'm thinking, man, what truth. If he was in this hour today, they would shout him down. But he was a man of conviction. I'm hearing old sermons of T.W. Barnes and old sermons of those preachers and, and, and Howard God. I'm hearing all those messages and I'm thinking, oh, these men were powerful in our time. I wonder if people would even receive them today. I would say right now, you've come too far to be deceived from the devil, the world, yourself, or God. Or losing the truth. You've come too far. You cannot lose God right now. Don't lose him now. Don't lose the truth right now. Don't lose the Bible right now. Don't lose your prayer time right now. I feel a little preacher in me tonight. Don't lose the Holy Ghost now. You've come too far. If you're at home, you ought to thank God that you've got the Holy Ghost. If you got a Bible on your shelf, you ought to thank God you got a Bible. If you know the Lord, you ought to thank God you know the Lord. You're in the last hour of time. You cannot afford to be deceived. Yes. Ah. Hallelujah. Stand with me right now and let's just pray. Wherever you are at home, would you pray with me, Lord? We thank you, Lord, for the word. We're going to embrace it and love it. We're going to find your word and eat your word every day. We want to know what you have to say, Lord. We refuse to be deceived by the world. Let honesty rule. Let it be the bedrock of our walk with God. Help us to be true wherever we are. Let it be an overspill of how we live, I pray in Jesus' name. And I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for it, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen.